Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today, I'm speaking to Lorian Fenton. Lorian is the host of the Fenton Perspective on Revolution Radio and a longtime member of the UFO community. She has been instrumental in numerous conferences as a producer and is the MUFON Marin and Sonoma Counties Section Director in California. Lorian has interests related to time travel, mind control, NDEs, and much more. Welcome, Lorian. Deb, I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Of course. I'm excited for you to share with everyone more about you and about all of the lovely experiences that you've had and all the wonderful data that you can provide in the dojo. I love providing data. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And I just, I got a comment here real quickly before the show even really gets rolling is that your website is the most amazing website I've ever seen. The amount of data that you have there. Um, I think you and Cheryl Costa are probably the two most important women in ufology right now when it Aww. comes to understanding data. Because it's so important. If we don't have the data, which is basically the written word of the truth, as far as I see it, hopefully it's all true. But I mean, we keep records of, um, you know, the different sightings, the contacts, the experiencers, uh, uh, you know, studies in consciousness, studies in the UFOs themselves, the military exploration. I mean, all the things that are going on in ufology, at least on your website, we can go there and say, okay, which category do I want to get interested in and where do I want to go from here? And there's tons of information there. And I really applaud you for pulling that together. It was a real feat. And it, it's never going to stop growing, Deb. You're going to have work for the rest of your life. Uh, Honestly, yeah, you should see the links that aren't on there yet. I have a document for that, and it's at least a thousand. And it's, it's, it feels so good when I get to update it, though. It really does. <laughs> like, oh, fantastic! <laughs> That's great. And so, you know, I, um, I, I use it myself, by the way, as a resource sometimes. Like, I'll be like uh, talking to someone, I'll be like, hold on, I'll go get that for you. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Because I'm just going to say that, that it's one of those places where if I'm stuck in the middle of my show and I can't remember the answer to something, I'll think, oh, my God, it's probably over at Deb's uh, website. I'm going to run over there and see if it's there. And sure enough, 90% of the time I can find the answer I'm looking for. Because right. it's always about some kind of history thing that I'm looking up. And, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So I just want everybody to know that. Get over to her. It, you're, it, it's study of you apps, right? No. Dot com? Um, it's ufoconnector.com is the website. And at study of UAPs, it's my handle on a lot of different places. Ah, see, I've got it just like already set up in my uh, browser under my favorites. So I just click on it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I never thanks. remember anything, but I know I know exactly where I got to be when I need it. So thank you for that. Well, I love it. I love having all of the information in one place. I feel like one thing that makes me crazy is how even within the UFO community, people silo stuff. So I'm, yeah, 
it's a thing that makes me crazy so crazy and i talk about this with people all the time people need to share they need to share they need to stop trying to put things in boxes and they need to digitize and like i i was so happy that um david marler was you know is working on archiving and really getting this information together i said go to my webpage, just print everything <laughs> or or save everything that's there especially because some of those things disappear so hmm. so much work to be done lorian yeah absolutely so let's yeah, talk about just, what you it's let's mind talk about boggling it. for me and um i um i was wondering um one of the things i wanted to talk about today i don't know if it, it, it i don't know if you had set questions for me what would you like to talk about but if you don't i've got some things i wanted to bring up well, let's let's first talk about you. I think people would like to know more about who you are. I don't want to go too far before giving you a chance to explain that a little bit and to talk a little bit about the, some of those conferences that you've produced. So let's do that first. Oh, okay, that's a great idea. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, about me, I'm <laughs> um, I'm a conference producer. I'm an experiencer of sorts. And I say that, you know, very, you know, lovingly to all my friends that are contactees because I don't see grays or reptilians or anything like that. My, most of my contact has been with um, white light beings and a woman that looked like an ascended master that came through my bedroom wall in a white tunnel uh, one time and then there's been uh, the invisible and I think he was a reptilian there was an invisible reptilian that hugged me once and uh, pretty much that's it I mean I don't see any aliens and one of the reasons why I might not see them even though I may have seen many and I just don't remember it, which is fine with me. I'm not one of these people who wants to be regressed and go through the whole uh, trauma-based, uh, you know, experience and finding out that, you know, mantid beings are staring me down in a room with a metal table. And <laughs> I don't want to know about any of that stuff. So if it has happened, then so be it. But I think one of the main reasons I don't have those kind of connections is because I, at a very early age, just basically, I don't know what I did. I put at what they say is I put down my foot or I drew a line in the sand with whatever was contacting me. Um, I was super psychic. So I had all kinds of things going on, telepathy and uh, just, you know, I can't even describe it to people, but I will here in a minute. But bottom line is I basically said, I don't want to see anything scary because I don't have time for that. I don't have time for it taking up. I didn't understand it when I was young because I did this when I was about 13 or 14. I remember explicitly saying no scary stuff and now I know why it's because I was going through enough stuff that I did not need one more thing to freak me out I don't know if I would have made it through my childhood into my teen years uh, as a normal child quote unquote and been able to function in society if that had happened to me so I'm very grateful that that has not happened, but I've had just enough UFOs hanging over my head, you know, like 200 feet above me to know that um, from all of my experience or friends is you're not seeing that UFO. It's just not showing up to say hi. They're showing up for a purpose, you know, 75% of the time. 
they're on a mission. So whether it's you they're taking or the person standing next to you or somebody, they're probably picking you up. And uh, so, you know, hey, if it happens, it happens. Who cares? I'm not I'm not real worried about that part of it. But um, so that's my my connection with E.T. in a nutshell, uh, as far as my physical experiences with them. But I've had so many downloads and constant communication and I would call lessons from ET and if it's okay with you I'd like to talk a little bit about some of those lessons because this is so different than what everybody else talks about and uh, I think that's why I'm kind of an outlier in the in the contactee community because you know I'm not Whitley Strieber I don't have ETs hanging outside of my house all the time and and visiting my my friends when they come to visit or anything like that but um, I do have some profound experiences with them and one of the conclusions I've come to over the years is that every one of us that is having contact, is having it in a unique way, except for maybe the the women um, and the men that are being used in what I call the breeding program, which is where they're making the, the hybrid children. I mean, that seems to be that they all kind of experience the same thing. And that's great. I mean, at least they have something in common they can talk to each other about and they understand what's going on and they can commune together and help each other through the process. I think that's great. But for most of us out there, I would think that we're getting very profound personal experiences. And in a weird way, they are bringing me closer to God. I know that sounds crazy, but I've been at this for 55 years consciously. And that's, I'm 65 years old. So I would say at about 10 years old is when I started really thinking about what this meant in the big picture scheme of things, you know, religious wise and everything, because I went to a Catholic grade school. So anyhow, uh, it's just my opinion that each one of us who are having these very profound experiences, they're all at a different level. They're all for a different reason. We're all being, and I want to say used in air quotes, because who knows why they're connecting with just certain part of the population and then not others. And um, it's just very, it's, it's very interesting. And, and I will bring up one other. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to go back to the being connected to God part for a moment. So my experiences have also led me to be, no, I wouldn't say more religious, but more like understanding about what I believe. I feel like um, some of the meditations that I had just gave me information that um, was very much about what they called the God source. Exactly. And I hadn't heard that before, even though it lined up exactly with what I already kind of felt like I knew. Um, but it's it's funny because we spoke to Grant Cameron on Calling All Beings, and I've referenced this several times, and he basically implied that God's just trying to entertain him or herself or itself, because it's more like an energy ball, right, of consciousness. And and these things that you're talking about, these manipulations or contact experiences or, or you know, downloads could be just God reaching out. Um, and I feel you're right. It could be in different ways. It also occurs to me that people often compare um, non-human intelligence to angels and it may be that 
you know, we're just re-understanding an old concept that, you know, we used to understand the messengers of God in a different way, but now we have a new frame of reference for it. So just some thoughts I wanted to throw in no, there. Absolutely. You, you summed it up beautifully. So now I can go into my story because you just basically said what I was trying to, to say. And I thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's it, it. And like I said, I think it's all personal. Each one of us, like you're getting a different uh, level of whatever you're getting from this God source. I'm getting it. Maybe Grant Cameron's getting a different view. Maybe Melinda Leslie's getting a different view. You know, uh, all my friends tell me all the time that they're always getting some kind of information, you know. So that's wonderful. And I'm really glad that I was chosen by whatever source this is to communicate with. But I got to tell you, folks, the educational part of it's been a real, it's been a bear. And here are some of the stories I got for you around that. Um, I was in Anaheim, California in 2011. And they, um, I don't know, the ETs got me there somehow. It was the weekend that completely changed my life, I got to say. Absolutely changed my life. And I'm, in, I'm now on a path of the whole ufology field because of that weekend, that 72 hours. Um, so during this whole phenomenon, which I hope to someday write a book just about that weekend because it was, it was mind-boggling, um, I sat, we just got back from the hotel. We were at a conference and I sat on the bed and I popped open my laptop and we'd been in the house maybe five minutes. So I knew that my partners weren't asleep yet that were with me. And I sat down on the bed and I thought, oh my God, you know, I brushed my teeth, had my pajamas and I was ready to jump in bed and get some sleep. And I think, oh my God, I haven't checked my email today. My boss is probably trying to get a hold of me, you know? So I pop open my laptop and as I'm opening the lid, I thought to myself, I wonder if a Solaria, that was the woman that was traveling with me, remembers the day the helicopter was over my house and she could hear it on the phone. Now, this is what I thought. Now, a thought like that takes approximately a tenth of a second or less. You know, it's a fraction of a second to think that. In the time it took me to think that, there was a helicopter over the house in Anaheim where I'm sitting. So I'm like, what? And it's so loud, just like the one that was over my house that she heard through the phone. I was freaking out. I stood straight up, knocked the laptop over to the side, almost knocked it off the table. And I'm thinking, what? And the next thing I know, I'm hearing a voice that sounds like not a male, not a female, almost like a choir but in one stream, it's hard to explain. It's almost like an echo of one stream. It was so deep and profound and so rich and so full, I couldn't even decide if it was one or a thousand people. And I hear this voice in my head say, we can see through your eyes. We know what you're thinking. We can control you with a fraction of a thought. We can do anything we want to humanity, but we need to let you know we love you. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, God. It yeah. was like, geez. And I, and I knew they were in my head and I knew they were telling me the honest to God truth. I have concerns about the non-human intellig intelligence version of love. I really do. I just, and like, you know, I, I know you can 
possibly go into um, your NDE experience. And I've studied NDEs and um, people often talk about a profound feeling of love when they pass. And I just wonder, is it a true love feeling or is it energy? And like love actually for us when we feel it is like energy. So I just wonder if they're manipulating when they say the word love, you know, do they understand what that means at the same way? Do they have the same brains that we have even to have that understanding? Because because for us, love is also very hormonal and relates a lot to the parts of the brain that get activated. So I don't know. I just have I that, that part. Like, I just wonder, do they really know what that means? <laughs> well, I agree with you. I don't know if they actually know what it means at all. But when they say now, this isn't the only time I've been told by an alien they love me. Okay. That time, <laughs> the when they said the word love, I felt that same peace and love kind of overtaking my body and people would describe it maybe as a kundalini experience you know where i just kind of felt lit up and and just so peaceful and in the moment that i can't describe it i think in a weird way to them when we say the word love they don't understand it. i think you're absolutely right i think what it means to them is just being in the now and being connected to everything because this will lead into another time i got a download that talks about all that it talked about love and connection and you know what have you so um to continue with the story um i ended up over at the window looking for the helicopter but there was no helicopter over the house that night it was three orange deep orange reddish glowing balls of light connected in a triangle formation and i could kind of see the outline of a little darker area where the triangle craft was and i just freaked out i i backed up from the window and the next thought i had was oh i'm so tired i'm gonna go to bed now normally lorian is very she has seen ufos with other people and she starts screaming at the top of her lungs my god there's a ufo you know i'm just i'm all over the place screaming right so everybody looks up and this time i just backed away and went to i was tired and went to bed okay that would never happen in a, in a real lorian situation so yeah. i am pretty sure yeah i'm pretty sure they took me that night I've heard a lot of people say that, that like they, they see something astounding and then they just go to bed or they just go sit down <laughs> and watch TV. And like, it's a weird mechanism that happens with some experiencers. They're just like, okay, I, I, yeah, there's a UFO on my lawn. I'm just going to go get some food in the fridge. Like yeah, exactly. And everybody I know that's a contactee just laughs at me when I say that. They go, Oh, well, that's what happens when they put you back. Okay. They've already had you for an hour and and now they're done with you and they put you back and they tell you to go to bed, you know. So I'm like, Yeah, you know, I never did check the clock that night. I never did anything normal, you know, like I would have done. And uh you're you know, they're probably right. I probably got taken. So so whatever. Anyhow, the point to all this is I'm setting you guys up for the class they gave me afterwards about that experience. So I get home and six months later, I'm, I went to bed one night and I wake up and I, I know someone has erased something out of my memory. I know it. I'm like, I sit up 
and I'm now pissed because I know I can't remember something. And I'm all day long, I'm thinking, what is it I forgot? Why is it gone? What did they do? Who did this to me? I'm freaking, I mean, I'm literally freaking out all day. And I'm at work and I'm still thinking all day long, what did they take out of my brain? And I'm going through all kinds of things, trying to remember stuff as a kid, you know, a whole bit. And finally, at the end of the night, they put the memory of me walking to the window and looking up at that um, UFO back in my head. And it just like it pops in and I remember it. And I'm like, oh, you SOBs, why did you do that to me? So there started a about a six month battle about once a week or every 10 days or so. I'd wake up and knew they took something out of my head, okay, a memory out of my head. It was always the same memory. It was from walking up to the window, looking up at the UFO, and then looking at the neighborhood, and then looking back up at the UFO, and that's all there is to the memory, okay? You know what? I just have to say, they're laughably bad, actually, at blocking memories, (laughs) Like they're really, this is a great example of like, okay, so I know that yes, people can lose the memory for quite some time and then it just pops. Like they just, it comes back a sudden right. occurrence, right? Like that happens to people where they, they forget for years sometimes, but it's just like, if they, people always talk about how advanced they are, but if they were really, really good at this, no one would ever remember. Like, That's right. I agree. Well, then you're already to the end of the story because here's what happens. So mm-hmm. for six to months or so, they're they're pulling this memory out of me. Okay. So I got hip after about two months. I drew a picture of it, of the UFO, and I put it by the side of the bed so that the days they take it out, I'd go look at that and it would slowly over that period of that day, it would finally pop back in. Okay. And finally, after six months, they stopped doing it. And I asked him, why did you do that to me? Why did you keep taking it out and letting me and put it back in? And they said, we wanted to let you know that's how much we control we have over people's memories. And, and then I said, now here's the cool part. Then I said to them, I said, if you have that much control and you can put it back in and take it out, why do you even bother? And they said, because most human beings can't handle the truth. And I started laughing because they put it in that same frame way of of the the Jack Nicholson movie. And I was laughing because they're right. I think a lot of people would just, can you imagine if they're taking as many people as I think they are and they could all remember every detail of everything? We'd all be in trauma all the time. Yeah, Les and I have talked about this. Uh, Les Velez from Velez, yeah, yeah, and he and I uh, have talked about the numbers, and I've talked to Ron Westrom about this as well. And I, the numbers range from possibly thirty-five and a hundred to fifty and a hundred. With Les thinking maybe possibly everybody. Yep, me too. I have a feeling that it's that way too. Yeah, because yeah. my my response when I saw um, a UFO, even though I'd had other experiences, and I told you about a lot of them on your show, which everyone should go listen to on the Fenton yeah, it was a great show, right? But um, so one of the things my response was just like, "Oh, okay," 
I, I wish I could take a picture, but I got to take these kids, you know, home. So like I kept driving, you know, so I told someone about that and they said, oh, that's because you probably recognized it. And it wasn't a, as big a shock to you. Right. Exactly. It, and uh, I, other people have said the same thing, like that, you know, they're just like, oh, OK, you know, other people are enthralled by their UFO encounters, constantly enthralled. I'm very different. I had another um, sighting that um, when I try to do a CE5, which I recommend that everyone never do by themselves after doing it, <laughs> trying to do it by myself. I, I had an orb uh, experience and I was just like, oh, that's cool. But I wasn't like, oh, my God, the world. Oh, no, everything's upheavable. And uh, I'm very different about this. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I'll tell you guys about seeing the UFO in Petaluma on 11-1. It was 11-11 or 11-1-2014. Um, I was with a bunch of people at my MUFON group. Now, I got to set this up because there's much more to this story. And I think it's only fair to do it justice. So that earlier that day, I had woken up and I was and things weren't going well in my life at the time. Uh I needed more money to pay for things and my cat was sick and, um, and, uh, just all kinds of things were going on. Anyhow, um, I decided in that moment waking up that I was going to quit MUFON and I was going to quit producing UFO conferences. And I really made a conscious decision to do this. And I got in the car and I was driving somewhere at the time. I can't remember where I was grocery shopping or whatever. And I really, in the car, I could feel this conscious decision taking over my brain because I had just been somewhere and I, I couldn't afford the cat food I wanted. I wanted this nice cat food for my cat who has kidney problems, couldn't afford it, had to get him regular food, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, that's it. I'm really done. I made that decision this morning and I really mean it this time. <laughs> and something came over me and I can't describe the feeling. It was like a resignation or just, this is, it's done. Okay. And I knew it was done. And I knew that was going to be my second to last move on meeting because it was November and I was going to do the December meeting and that was it. Okay. So I get to the meeting and I'm kind of sad during the whole meeting because I know what's happening, but nobody else does. We all go to dinner like usual and I'm sitting and looking at everybody and I'm kind of sad because I think, oh, this is the, one of the second to last meetings I'll ever see these guys. And um, one of them says to me, hey, I just got my night vision goggle. I want to test it on my camera and record the sky. Um, let's go out after dinner and go look through it. And I said, eh, I said, now I'm really cold. I don't want to. And they said, well, we're going to go back to the uh, senior center where I, we have a nice big parking lot on a little um, lagoon. And they said, we're going to go back there without you. If you don't come with us, I said, Oh, shoot. And I thought to myself, I better go with them because um, I have the key to the building. I'm considered a city employee. And if they're in the parking lot at night rummaging around and doing things, if the police show up, I'm there to say they're part of my group and we're using the senior center and I can open it for them to use the restrooms, you know, that kind of thing. And the police will go away. There won't be a problem. So I got talked into going. So I end up back there. And they're all looking, there's like eight guys and Diane, my friend Diane and myself are standing off to the side of them. 
and they're all looking into this camera and a giant black i mean if i hold my fist up it's as big as my fist above my face about a foot and a half from my eyes okay that's how big it was big black ufo triangle shaped thing appears i mean it like decloaks right above us and i'm looking at this thing and the lights are on in the corners and it's got this kind of glowing center part and it's wobbling so i start screaming ufo as I normally would in a crowd. And I also am thinking at the same time, oh my God, this guy doesn't know how to drive this thing. It's going to fall on us because it's wobbling. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, later I talked to my buddies at Lockheed and all that. And they said, oh, that's just the plasma field around it, making it look like a mirage on the road. So it wasn't really wobbling. It was just your interpretation. So the second I think that, it turns out it's lights. All the lights go off and there's this big black triangle just there. I'm still screaming. Then the next thing I know, I stop screaming and I'm looking at it. And I think I either blinked or something happened. And I'm not going to say what happened during the time I blinked, but the, the craft was in a different position. It's like it had turned 45 degrees without me seeing it do it, okay? So everybody I know that knows anything about being picked up by ET says, well, that's the time it when you got taken on the ship and then you got put back and it moved and you didn't know it while all this is going on. And then you're awake again. You, you know, you think you're blinking and you're really actually opening your eyes and seeing it take off and leave, which is what it did. Now, during this time that it's I'm opening my eyes or blinking or whatever, and it moved positions, Diane actually sees it at, in that position ready to take off. So I do have a witness to the fact that it was there. Nobody else saw the darn thing, but they were looking into the goggle, but a few of them did look up and they never saw it. Even though I was screaming for like three seconds, look yeah. at this thing. Well, there's this whole school of thought on that in general, that even if you have a crowd of people who witness a UFO, they tend to say they see different objects, like the shape is described differently. And there's also, for whatever reason, when people are photographing a UFO, the photograph comes out differently than what people see. Like, for instance, Absolutely. For, for very often um, when people film a tic-tac it comes out really white but when they look at it it has the orange glow uh, so to them they're like it looked like it was glowing orange but it's a photo it's white so i've had of course people um in my facebook group share their photos and i see a white tic-tac right so it's really interesting how that happens and i think a lot of people are inclined to think that just some people are able to to connect to the waves that they're using because i think there's wave technology and frequencies involved i absolutely agree absolutely and just to finish up the story and why i even brought this all up in the first place is because diane looks at me after this thing takes off so fast that we couldn't even see it leave i mean that's how quick it left um and says oh aren't you happy we just saw a ufo 
And I looked over at her and I said, no, I'm pissed. I am really pissed. <laughs> she goes, why is that? And I said, because today was the day I told them I wasn't going to work for them anymore. And now they show up and who knows what they've done to me. And I now I want to get back into it because now they're here. You know, they they show up. I mean, it's like I can't break away from these guys, you know. And she's laughing. She goes, geez, if I did that, they wouldn't show up for me. I said, well, they sure showed up for me because they knew I was I'd had it and I wasn't going to be their slave anymore you know so she was like oh my god she goes well just think you're going to quit every day and they'll be here all the time and I'm like no <laughs> I think they Not- know they know if it's a game <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly I feel like you know like I try to just sort of I would it's almost like a prayer right which makes me wonder sometimes if that's why our planet gets so much attention because we were praying and that's we also had people who were meditating and trying to connect to other densities and other vibrations you know i wonder if that's what attracted whatever this is i don't know that i i would call it extraterrestrial i'm i tend to be inclined towards it being more complicated than that but um i agree i think it's much more complex than we can ever imagine right i think it has a lot to do with weight function and you know things like that but anyway that's a whole other conversation but anyhow i think i think you know when people connect there's just so many different things that happen and the other day like i was doing this just kind of sending like my thoughts out there and i got this like i get random things and i don't know if i would call them a download but i guess they're adjacent similar and the one that i got that like i got upset it was not everyone gets reincarnated and i'm like dang that's harsh (laughs) like it was just like i it was so out of the blue and it was like really firm and kind of just like snarky and i was like that's mean (laughs) like (laughs) oh but that's interesting yeah, and I, and I, it actually really upset me uh, because yeah. I don't I don't like to think that, but you know, because I've I've spoken to a medium before, and they said that you know um, these these lives that we have that we get to have, you know, a lot of other consciousness wants that opportunity. It doesn't get it because there's just so much consciousness, right? Um, so it's very special for us to have a life. And so to, to have a consciousness go through a life and then get like zilched, you know, zapped out of existence is frightening. But maybe maybe it's just they maybe what they meant was they just want to go back to the, the source. Right. 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 Maybe. It, and I wouldn't blame them for wanting to go back to the source. I had an experience that I think I mentioned to you before where um, I was taken in by this white light being by the side of my bed to this place of love and light. And, and uh, ugh, I can't even describe it. I mean, there's no words to describe what I've been through. And I had a major communication with this being there. And whether it was God or Christ or God knows what it was, it was all uh, omni. What do they say? All omnipotent, om- omnipotent. Omnipresent omnipresent omnipotent everything Mm. it was everything and it was simply amazing and i did not want to come back because 
why leave a place like that? I mean, <laughs> there's no strife. Everything is love and peace and, and so far beyond what we consider love here on this planet. There's no words to describe whatever this is. And I, I call it love plus plus because it's way beyond anything we got. And uh, so why would I want to come back here? And I did come back and uh, it was horrific. And I, you know, what was weird is I weighed 110 pounds at that time. I was a professional dancer and I felt like I was so heavy. I couldn't get out of the bed. I mean, hmm. it was like, it was unbelievable. The difference in density alone from being from that place to this place. And then um, I thought I'd kill myself, which was mm. really fun because I wanted to go back so badly. And uh, the one time my husband at the time was actually psychic, he heard a voice tell him to get home right now. And he came home and saved me from killing myself. So wow. that was crazy. But that was the one and only time he said in his entire life he'd ever had anything like that happen to him. And uh, it was just to keep me here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I was thinking about that. When you when you follow the path of NDEs, you find out that there's actually not really a judgment. Like the religions often talk about judgment and you know being permitted to go to heaven and or hell or whatever. And and NDEs talk about there's no judgment. You do get a life review, but it's really about learning something. And, and you wonder what the purpose behind all of those things are, right? And and it occurs to me that, you know, we may be misunderstanding what we're doing here. And some people say we need to remember. And, you know, it's just very confusing. It is confusing. And what makes it even more confusing is what man has done to our spiritual life here on this planet. Um, religion has played a big part in the confusion. I mean, because I'm not religious at all anymore. And, you know, I do love to go to a good, you know, midnight mass at Christmas in the Catholic Church because of the familiarity of growing up in it. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel very peaceful doing that kind of thing. And every once in a while, I will go to a Christian church here in the Bay Area. And, I, and some Sundays I'm online watching my Christian churches all over the United States. But it's not because they're Christian. It's because of the, the message the pastors given and I love right. some of these pastors they're fantastic but as far as being denominational you couldn't get me to be denominational now because I'm I've seen the bigger picture and there's no going back you know when you're in that state of love with whatever this entity is the source god or whatever you realize that human religion is just a controlling mechanism yeah, it's, it gets really complicated for me because, of course, I've looked at religious texts and I understand the parallels and I understand, you know, what happened when um, the Roman emperor decided to abscond with pagan holidays to promote Christianity. I understand all of those things, the background. And I but I also see something else going on within Christianity itself and within other religions that they're actually really woo. Like that's a, a term that gets thrown around a lot in the UFO. Oh community. yeah. The they like I actually had a very vivid dream um where Jesus was showing me um within a of like it was like a pond kind of a lake kind of thing. 
Um, it wasn't very big, but he was showing me that I was going to be a fish that didn't follow the school of fish, that I would swim separately. And I told a priest about this dream because I also <laughs> was raised Catholic. Oh, yes. And um, I told the priest and he was fascinated and he wanted to know all about the tree that was nearby. And he was like, maybe that was the tree of life. And I'm like, you know, people are pretty um, harsh about Christianity and stuff like that. But if they think about it, yes, they are very set on, you know, their Bibles or their religious texts, but they're also really into the supernatural. They really are. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look back in, in the whole story of Mary and Christ, I mean, Mary's impregnated by God knows what, an alien, a UFO, a, you know, a, an angel. I mean, what they're all the same thing. You know, it's just, I find it just fascinating that all religions are based on a phenomenon. I mean, just if you think about Muhammad, he's got his angels too. And then even uh, Joseph Smith and his angel. I mean, mm. you know, it's everybody's got an alien that they're worshiping. Right. <laughs> I Saint kind of Francis. find it funny. Yeah, well, St. Francis was great. Mm. You know, um, I don't know. I just, I find it just absolutely amazing to me that um, all of these faiths, can come up with worshiping some type of God, but you know, in the same instance, they all have some kind of demons involved too. Right. And I find that even more fascinating. I mean, are they talking about the reptilians? I mean, what are they talking about that they keep bringing up demons in all these different religions? It's funny also is if you look at some other beings that have been a part of our history for centuries and centuries maybe millennia right with the little people the elves the gnomes they have a bajillion different names for them and i'm fascinated by them too for a lot of reasons but um they're the ones that are mischievous that do the bad things they might be the demons right yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, um, the gnomes and the little trolls and whatever have a very similar um, look to them as the little blue guys that Whitley Strieber was seeing. Mm -hmm. they, he, all, he even said they kind of look like trolls at one point, what, what, right. what we would consider a little troll being or something. So, you know, it, I don't it, know. It gets even weirder. Okay, because we have two sizes for our entities. They're either smaller than us or much, much bigger, right? So they're right. either little people, which you, there's so many, there's like a trillion versions of that, or they're giants, Bigfoot, you know, Nephilim, you know. So, but the weirder part is that there's some archaeological examples of this. So, um, for instance, when we look at, uh, there's two islands. I can't remember where they are right now. I've talked about them before. I was reading Sapiens when I learned about this and got really excited. Where there were people that were about three feet tall. They found right. remains of them, right? Yeah. What a weird coincidence. And then people are saying there's remains of giants, right? And I just think that's an interesting coincidence, don't you? Oh, I find it just, it, it's all fascinating and it's all real. See, that's what the, the, 
the best part of knowing all of this is knowing it's real. See, I think as a, as a contactee, we have a different part of our brain that's been lit up that says, don't, don't disbelieve anything just because you didn't learn it in school or your priest didn't tell you it's real or your parents didn't say this is, you know, this is real or that the news or the media says that's all BS, right? We all make our own decisions about everything. We're quite unique. Every one of us, everybody who's ever had any kind of contact near death experience is a psychic or, you know, whatever, because they're all connected. That, that's an absolute mm-hmm. given in my book is they're all connected. And I've had amazing experiences around that. Um, and I considered myself not a contactee until I was in my 30s. I was a psychic from the time I was six years old on. And that's mm-hmm. what my family thought of me as. And that's what all my friends thought of me as. They didn't equate me being a a contactee of other entities and that didn't that didn't really come into play until i was in my 30s i think i grew into it actually and uh, even though i was always fascinated by ufology and i read every book i get my hands on as a teenager but uh, you know i think that something happens to us because of these entities whether they're white light beings or little grays it doesn't matter they've altered us to be accepting of things that nobody else would, uh, you know, just normal people aren't accepting of because of the prejudices or the the teachings that they've received as a child. We somehow keeping that we keep that part of our brain open to every possibility. And thank God for that. Well, speaking of thanking God, I'll just say again, it's funny to me that you know most people have these strong beliefs in their religion but some of them sound like i hate to use the term crazy but like some of them sound let's just say equally wild right like you know (laughs) you know walking on water you know uh there's a god in heaven in the sky somewhere hanging out you can go hang out with him you know it's like so why are people really, really believing that, right? Oh, and then there's the, you know, coming back from the dead part. Let's not forget the whole. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but they're like, oh, no, that's true. Or, or then there's the Old Testament, right? Let's part the sea, just like separate it so you can walk through. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> the flood. The flood is in so many religions. It goes into a ton of different ones. It's obviously some something happened, right, to humanity. Oh, yeah. And they're, that's why they're all talking about it, because it happened. Something happened. Something serious. But um, interestingly enough, there was a time when there were very few of us, like maybe a 1,000, maybe 20,000, because we were dying off, right? So maybe that's when the flood happened. And then all those people carried that story with them, as they continue to repopulate the planet. But the point though, is that those things seem outlandish too, but people are so firm on that. So I feel like anytime someone wants to say, I don't believe your story, I'm just want to turn to them and say, well, I know your story. Do you want me to make the list? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 
isn't that the truth? I mean, you know, I go, uh, it's funny you brought that up because I go to these Christian churches. I go to one in Yuba City called God Speak, and I love them. They're great. Um, but every once in a while, I have a really hard time because someone will come up to me and goes, have you, you know, given your soul over to Jesus and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of gave it over to his dad. <laughs> and they're always, they always look at me funny, but I don't know how else to describe it to people that, you know, I think I'm a little, I, it's so different for me. I can't just say, oh, Jesus is the light, the love and the way. Okay. I can't do that. I've had too much going on in my life to just give it to one person. Okay. Yeah. There it's just, um, I'm sorry, but I can't do that, but I love Jesus Christ. I think he's amazing, amazing entity. I'm not sure if he was, I think he was a hybrid. That's just my personal yeah. opinion because he was so yeah. profound. You know, if everything that they say he said is real, um, he was a very profound human being. I think he was touched by God. You know, in a very amazing way, a lot like many of the con contactees are. So. And I think he would have been, frankly, very offended by some of the things that were done in his name, especially oh. the Spanish Inquisition, the witchcraft trials. I don't know. I don't want to go into it too much. It's upsetting. And I don't want to upset other people with their beliefs. I think. Um, exactly. You know, yeah. People can have their beliefs. I just don't think you should use your beliefs to uh poo poo someone else's is my point like i like don't don't come after the ufo community with them you know like go go do your thing i'm i'm a well, big fan of go do your thing and don't hurt anybody exactly and you know that brings up for me joseph jordan and his group and they absolutely believe that if you give yourself over to christ and you pray to christ to save you from the, the dark aliens or any aliens in Jesus's name that they, Jesus will do it. And who am I to say he wouldn't, you know, if that's your belief and that's what it takes for you to stop being abducted by grays that you don't want to be abducted by, then so be it. And I, I believe it can happen through Jesus's name. If that's what you need to use as energy to dispel these, gray little aliens that you may not want in your life. You know, um, I think anything can work, but I think here's the biggest problem for me, Deb, is that you absolutely, and I, and I say this with all sincerity and with a lot of love in my heart, every time you ask to be around an alien, you've got to have no fear. You've got to have absolutely no fear going on because that people go, well, they never come to me. I never see ships. I never do this and that. And I go, well, that's because you haven't said to them, I will die for you. Okay. You haven't said to them, all the bad people can do is kill me. Okay. For doing this. Okay. There comes a point where you have to absolutely decide. I, and I've done this. I said to God at one point, I said, I will die for you. Whatever direction you point me into working in this field, I will do. Whatever it is that I have to do, I will stand up for you, God. And and I said, if it, if it, if it entails UFOs and aliens and all that, then so be it. Put me in that direction and give me the money to make sure I can, you know, start doing whatever it is you need me to do. And I yeah. never, ever tell anybody that they're on the wrong path when they say to me, um, I don't believe in anything you do and it goes against God because the reality is you could not have another entity if God hadn't created them. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. 
Yeah, I do think, you know, people have pointed out that having contradiction is what causes people to have faith. And faith is the important thing when we're talking right. about religion, right? And faith is that strong sense of intention and direction and guidance. And it's just all of these things accumulated and it's powerful. And oddly enough is something that is very akin to what happens when people meditate, having yes. faith and like prayer, faith, meditation, very similar. And again, it makes me just wonder what do we radiate out when we have that? Like, yes. What are we bringing, we're putting out into the atmosphere. It's like, it makes you wonder, are we like little light bulbs? <laughs> Is that what we were designed to be? That's exactly what we are. I believe that every one of us has a beacon to whatever entities that you're calling into you. Um, as long as you've, you've turned the light on and said, I'm here, come and get me, you know, and that leaves you open to many different things coming at you because not everything in other dimensions or other realities is perfect for human consumption, <laughs> or maybe mm -hmm. we're the consumption, you know, I don't know. We just got I think we need to be careful, honestly, the, mm -hmm. the older I get, the more cautious I am about who I'm talking to, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, we, yeah, we hear a lot of not so good stories. There's a lot of lying. There's a lot of false prophecies. There's a lot of tricking people or making them do something that might be considered inappropriate, like encouraging that, you know, so there's a lot of kind of weird stuff when it comes there to is weird stuff. And yeah. I, what I think is the most disconcerting for me is uh, something like uh, Pam, Pamela Stonebrook, I think that's her name. She's the woman who has the um, reptilian boyfriend. And mm. she thinks it's the best thing since sliced bread. And I, you know, maybe it is. I don't know. But does, what does that say for us as humans? I mean, why, first of all, why is she being singled out to have a reptilian boyfriend? That's my first question. And apparently sex with a reptilian, you, you could never go back to a human, apparently, um, <laughs> which I find fascinating. So why Tell me don't more. No, I'm just yeah, yeah. Why don't all women on this planet get to have that kind of excitement in their lives? I mean, you know, there are just weird things going on in this world that I just sit here and I wonder sometimes, how does this even be real? And if Pamela Stonebrook can have this kind of relationship, how many other women are actually having this kind of relationship and not talking about it? That's what I want to know. And, uh, you know, there's just all kinds of weird stuff going on around ET and aliens. And right. uh, yeah, one of, my, so. one, of, one of my favorite things is how many people have been shown how to fly the craft. Oh, I know. Isn't that awesome? Right. Now, I have never been shown that, that I know of. But um, what I, you know what I found fascinating? I'll just, I'll, I'm going to speak on his behalf, and I hope he isn't upset with me for doing so. But Lynn Buchanan is a friend of mine. And uh, several years ago, he actually spoke about this at my conference. It was about his ET contact. Most people don't understand that most of your remote viewers are either very psychic or they're contactees. And 
you know, and I, and like I said, I think they're mutually exclusive. I think you're probably one with being the other without being the other. You're the other one. I mean, it's just there. I don't think that there, there's a separation. I think if you dig deep enough, you'll find that that person is either a contactee or has had a near death experience or something because they're all connected. Anyhow, point to all this is Lynn told the story about, he was, uh, he was a minister at some point along the road and he kept having to go relock his house all the time and he could never figure out why and this went on for years and his wife used to start teasing him about oh did you check the doors for the 400th time Lynn you know that kind of thing and then finally one day they were moving from one like uh, you know house where they were being put up with by their church to another and he was there alone. They had all left the day before the family. And he was alone and he was sleeping on a mattress in the middle of the floor in the living room. And that was the last thing he was going to load into the truck with a few other things. And he was fixing some stuff in the house that day. Anyhow, long story short, that night he's taken by mm. the ETs. Mm. And he's told that he's been taken many many times and you know blah blah he gets on the ship i'm not going to go through the details of his experience because i don't remember them and i don't want to say them incorrectly but i will say this he ends up flying the ship hmm. and then later when they drop him off one of the ets comes out to him and says um, oh he's with a group of people and they're on either another planet or something but he's set aside one of the ets comes out to him and says would you like to be our pilot? And he said, oh, I'd love to be your pilot. You know, he goes, well, you're never going to go back to Earth again. And he said, that's fine. He goes, let me go get my family. I'm sure they'd love to be with, you know, be with you guys. <laughs> and he and the alien said to Lynn, I'm sorry, but you're the only one who can come. And he said, well, I can't go with you then because I have, you know, responsibility to my family and I love my wife. And so the ET said, okay, okay, sorry, wish you could come with us, but you can't. And um, so I thought that was fascinating that they actually recruit people here on our planet to go with them and never come back and be pilots on their ships. I thought you know, that was the most fascinating story I'd ever heard. Did you ever watch Doctor Who? No, I, I'm. I hate to tell people, but I'm. I didn't have a TV for twenty years at one point, so right. I missed a lot of things. I'm trying to catch up on certain things, but Doctor okay. Who is not one of them. Well, just to give you a little background, there's a ship. It's called the TARDIS, which is bigger on the inside. By the way, coincidence? I don't know, but <laughs> um. And that's a big thing with UFOs. Also, it looks different on the inside. But because um, maybe perhaps the UFO is just a portal, right? Who knows? Maybe it's just a little door that opens when you walk through, you go through the portal. But who knows? But um, the, the reason I mention it is because the TARDIS basically has a bit of personality to it, right? And it reminds uh -huh. me of a story um, Dave Scott told where... You know, he was having contact, and he talked about this on Space Out Radio, having contact with an entity, and the entity either conveyed to him or um, was the pilot of this craft, um, that having died didn't stop you being the pilot. 
um, that you could still continue to be the pilot. So I wonder if, if I were asked if I wanted to pilot a craft permanently, I would maybe stipulate alive. Would I be alive? <laughs> because I know, yeah. I know, I know how these work. Um, not only because I meditated and was shown, uh, yeah, great. Everyone's probably like already going, oh, that's crazy, right? But I found out that that's the same thing other people have been shown. Um, and Grant Cameron's writing a whole book on this, by the way. Um, it's ex exactly the same. Um, so now that I know how that works and how the flight works, um, I think people might be a little nervous. If you don't like the idea of Neuralink, you're not going to want to pilot a craft. Right. And okay, so this leads me into stories from other people I've talked to over the years. Mm -hmm. Many years ago, um, there was a guy, well, it's, I don't even know if I can get into the whole story, but bottom line was that the crafts are not actually made out of, you know, metal or metamaterial or whatever everybody wants to think they are. They're made from this. And the only way the alien described it to the scientist was that it was a type on earth. It would be considered a fungus because it's got the, the ability to be connected on a electrical level. And it has the ability to grow into any shape it needs to grow into to whatever it can become. In other words, they think their ships into existence by connecting with this fungus, if we want to call it that, ship fungus, that is the alive portion, organic portion of the ship that, that combines with the metamaterials. Okay. By the time we get the metamaterial, the organic stuff has died away. Yeah, I call it biological nanobots. Yeah, that that's a great way to describe it. But the sci the the ET scientist said because that's what the scientist here on Earth brought up to him, and he said it's kind of like that, but it's more organic, even mm -hmm. more even like mushrooms. Um, right in their in the their ability to function now when they connect with the meta material maybe it becomes more nano like i would assume that it would have to because how can it change structure so easily okay right. i mean in one instance this guy had a loaf of what he called silver looking bread at his feet and then the alien took it 40 yards away and the thing grew into a 40 foot ship just by the thought process of the ET. Yep. So there's been some craft that people have gone up and touched, not when they're powered up. Don't ever do it when they're powered up. Powered up. Yeah. The Never, ever, idea. ever. But, <laughs> but when they're, you know, landed, no longer functioning. Um, and um, this young boy in one story that already six killer Clark wrote about went up and touched it. It said it felt like it had almost, almost like a, a skin, you know, it was not a machine. It didn't feel like metal. Exactly. And you know, that's what David Adair said also about the engine that he was crawling all over at area 51. He's the parts that he touched that were supposedly metal he said they felt like the, the belly of a frog. Mm. And then the machine connected with him telepathically. So uh, it's a fascinating story. Just fascinating. He tells about it in his um, uh, documentary. 
Um, it's just amazing. But yeah, there, there've been, a, you know, I want to say millions of people, but I bet you everybody that's been near a ship, even in their unconscious state, if they touched it, they know it's alive. They all know, right. they just know. I've also thought about when people do CE5, they're basically calling these ships. And the reason they're able to do that is because they are, and Lauren said it, and I indicated it, and I know I've talked about it before, they are driven through um, consciousness. So they're not driven with, you know, like some people say they put their hand on something and that makes it try. That's not really working. Like what's not, uh, granted, I don't want to over state this because there are lots of different entities and lots of different ships and all that but oh lot, absolutely but yeah. a lot some of them for sure are not being driven with uh little steering wheels or you know stick ships oh, yeah. or oh. you know so anywho i guess what i'm thinking is when people do these c5s they're they're basically calling one and i feel sometimes like i could probably call one uh if but I, you know, it's, I think that there's like hubris there too. Like, I feel like it's possible, but I don't know if I want to really mess around with that. And like, how annoying would it be if you have like, say, let's pretend it's a car, your car parked in a parking lot and someone down the street somehow presses a button and the car goes over to them. Oh, that's cool. I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that. I love it. Kind of like right. the old TV show where the guy had the talking car. <laughs> right. There were several of those shows. That was fun. Um, yeah, you know, I I wonder, uh, constantly I wonder why I saw the ships when I saw them. But that one day that I just told you guys all about where I made a conscious decision never to, to deal with them again. Um and they showed up, you know, that was a, that was a deep decision for me. And I felt very clear. I was very clear that I wasn't going to do this anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe we have other moments in time where we're making decisions about, it could be anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they show up because they need to steer you in a different direction or want to help you go in a different direction or maybe they want to reinforce staying in that direction but maybe it's at junctures that we're unaware that we are making critical decisions in our life for our future okay mm -hmm. i'm just guessing i'm stabbing at it because that's the kind of situation i was in and i would love to find out from other people when they show up in their life you know, do well, they show of, up when yeah. they just are losing faith altogether that they even exist? That happens well, for a lot of people. I don't know. I feel like um, a lot of people are also dealing with trauma in their life. And I think there's a possibility that when we go into these other states of mood, that we're just more aware of the environment sometimes if that makes sense like it's yes so like when people are dealing with trauma of course they're going to be hypersensitive to what's around them um because they're dealing with trauma they need to protect themselves um their brain's probably kicking in some survival mechanism so maybe that's why you're able to suddenly see the ufo because you know what your brain wants you to survive right now because you're traumatized right so it's saying you weren't paying attention to this before because you didn't need to, but now you really need to. 
So well, that makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. and we got to remember about all the people who have called out for healings from their right. ETs. And they have showed up and actually healed these people. I've got two amazing stories. The first one, I'm going to try to keep both of them very short. But the first mm-hmm. one is a guy named Phil. And his wife had cancer. And the only way I, I now, I hope your audience is very much aware of the guy up in Seattle, Washington, whose dog got uh, fried. I'm trying to think of his name right now. Yeah, the one in the boat. Or uh, he was fishing or something. No, no, that's the Maury Island incident. No, this is uh, the guy who was out on a hike in the Washington uh, National Forest. And I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. It's somebody. Well, yeah. Point is, he saw this. um, He put the the alien in his freezer in his garage. Everybody knows that story. They've got to know it. Um, Anyhow. Long story short, his alien looks like a uh, kind of almost like a turtle. He's got kind of a turtley looking face. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, many years later, I'm talking to my buddy Phil, and he goes, God, Lori, you would believe what happened the other day. I'm laying in bed, and we're both flat on our backs in bed, and over my wife, you know, hanging over her at the same, you know, three feet above her. But at, coming out of a portal, which would be flat to her, his face facing her face downward, is the turtle alien from that incident holding a little wand. And she's got cancer. And he's taking this wand and he's rub. It's going over her breast area where she has the cancer and over her brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just doing all this. Well, Phil wakes up in the middle of this alien curing his wife of cancer. And he freaks out and the guy stops and pops back and sucks himself back into that open portal and disappears. Hmm. Now, his wife was almost completely healed of it. And it took a a lot more, you know, radiation or whatever they were doing. But they finally got rid of it. But he thinks that if he'd left him alone and not freaked out on him, the alien probably would have cured him complete her completely that night. That's how amazing that was. And Phil had been praying to his aliens for somebody to come and and fix her. Now, I've got another story. My buddy Sam, who I haven't spoken to for many years, I hope he's doing okay, um, was very sick with Crohn's disease and he was dying. He was homeless at the time and he was in his car and he was praying and praying. And finally, somebody came up to him and said, hey, look, you can go stay in my condo. We know you're sick. Uh, we're leaving town for three months. Go stay there and, uh, you know, hang out and we hope you get better, blah, blah, blah. So he ends up in the condo. He's laying on the on the, the guest bed. And it's a small little place. It's like a one-room studio type of thing. And he noticed that their refrigerator was humming really, really loud and making all kinds of banging noises. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now he's laying there. He's praying to his ETs. He's been praying for months now. They show up. Three of them show up. One taller, two shorter. One of them comes over to him with a little wand again. I find that fascinating. They always mm. have these little wands. Mm-hmm. And he starts going over his intestines and over his body. Wow. And he is almost instantly cured. It probably took three days. His Crohn's disease is completely gone. Also, while this is happening, he looks over at the big ET and says, telepathically, 
can you, uh, he, he's kind of laughing in his head. He goes, well, since you can fix me, can you fix the refrigerator too? Wow. So the alien walked over, stared at the refrigerator. It stopped making all the noise and has never had a problem since, as far as I knew. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> wow. That's, a, that's so, fascinating. Like, now yeah. This is, yeah, absolute true story. Went to the doctor and they were like, oh my God, you're totally healed. And the same thing with Phil's wife. Like after a month or so of radiation, they said, you should have been dead by now, but you're you're totally cured. It's so, so funny because this is what reminds me that there is so many, there's so many different agendas. There's so many different motivations for what they do. I think some of them are just curious about us. I think some of them are explorers. I think some of them um you know don't want to follow these rules of non-interference that supposedly are in place you know just so many things going on and i think some of them you know they just feel like they can relate to us some of them even think they're family you know because there's some indication that you know there's a dna connection to these entities so absolutely i totally believe that and i believe that sam and possibly uh, Phil and his wife are both um, hybrids of some sort. And, and right. when I say hybrid, I don't mean that they're half human and half alien. I mean that in some way they have a little bit of genetic material from these ETs and that they're monitoring them mm. at, at a very high rate. Right. That they're the ones being monitored during a program of some sorts. And right. maybe some of them are controlled. And maybe some of them they let die from cancer. Maybe some they cure from cancer to figure out what's going on with the cancer. Maybe maybe they cause the cancer. And maybe they're trying to figure out what to do about it. I mean, hey, we're in a... Yeah, we're in a world of who knows what they did to us. And maybe because of their messing with our genetics, they caused cancer to be a thing. I think that they may cause it with their technology quite a bit too um it seems like it's a pretty high occurrence around people interested in this topic it is it, it's scary how some of it comes on so quickly mm -hmm. um for people that are really active in the community i mean we're looking at and i'm not saying that there's some bad grays out there that are giving people cancer at a very fast rate but you look at some of the people who have really fought the gray agenda or the reptilian agenda here on this planet like carla mm -hmm. turner um uh oh, i can't the sherry adamac uh mm -hmm. uh i can there are so many i can't even begin to think of them all now that right. once they start talking about something that could be absolutely real and very scary for the community they're dead within three months yeah, I think there's more to it. I wonder, because like we don't really know what causes cancer and there are so many different kinds of cancer. And I just, I keep hearing, like I've, I've talked to two really significant people in the community and I don't want to name them or go into their private stories, but cancer has touched their lives. Yes. Recent, very recently. And, it, and I spoke to someone who claimed to be part of a crash retrieval program. And they said like the whole team got cancer just about. So I just think cancer is a big part of this, which is, you know, one of those things that we'll definitely be doing more work with when it comes to UAP Medical Coalition, um, because I feel like that's a red flag for me, that something's going on there. And of course, we know that if you go too close to an activated UAP, 
if you're standing too close when it's on essentially then you're at risk of radiation poisoning um, people have gotten skin burns on eye burns and just a ton of different radiation symptoms so there's so much going on with that they could you know if they're flying around us all the time unseen can you imagine Absolutely. how much Absolutely. we're going to be exposed to whatever that is like i've known so many people who have had cancer for no reason like they're not smoking they're not like around a especially polluted area they're not living next to a nuclear plant they just suddenly have it you know so i don't know i know there's a genetic component for some people too i think that's a whole nother thing but cancer is a big mystery for us and i maybe we're just mythologizing what it's about but it just seems like a weird coincidence well, I, I've always suspected that there's something to do with the grays and cancer. I've always suspected that. And, mm -hmm. oh, you know who's another? Well, I'm not going to I'm, I'm not going to talk about him right now because uh, I just can't. But there is a guy that is a researcher uh, in the community um, that absolutely believes that every implant causes cancer in humans. Mm -hmm. And that the ETs are trying to figure out how they can implant us without that problem. And I believe, and this is just from him talking to me, you know, off the record, that they have come up now with the stuff that we call here on this earth hydrogel. And I saw it in a vision back in 2009. I saw that they were implanting people with a, um, and it probably wasn't a vision. It was probably me being on a ship talking to them about it. I, I don't know, but it was being shown to me in a lab. And what it was, was this clear liquid stuff that they would implant um, these new type of implants into the gel. They would drop it into the gel and the gel would grow with it grow into it and kind of hold on to it like a mesh netting mm -hmm. and then they and they were very very small like nano size these uh all the right. components that used to be uh up to a quarter of an inch that had right. circuitry on them and all kinds of things okay so now they they're alive and they're in this hydrogel and instead of injecting them into like the base of your neck or into your shoulder or your big toe or wherever they were tagging you before, they can just put it in your bloodstream. And what it does is it adheres to cartilage like in your knee or your shoulder or wherever and grows into the cartilage between bone. You know, and it's that's, so funny. And that's how it works now. And so you can't even see it on a metal detector anymore. Right. It's so funny that to think that just, I would say, a hundred years ago, maybe, maybe 200, if we want to be fair, humans couldn't even have had that statement made. You couldn't have said those things because even it was as recent of like 200 years ago, you couldn't even really examine the human body. Right. That's and right. much less understand like nanotubes or nano anything. Right. So what happened, do you think, just within the last couple hundred years that we have gotten so quickly to where we are now um, from where we were before and so much closer to being like these things that we're talking about, uh, you know, non-human intelligence and UFOs. You can buy your own personal flying saucer now. 
Like they, <laughs> they, they make them. You can buy drones that no one has to fly um, that are pretty big, right? Um, right. They're, they're not going to move like a UFO, but you know, that's still pretty cool. They are working on the technology for moving things with your mind. Now they're working on the brain to computer to brain interfaces. They're, you know, yes, absolutely. Why do you think we went from where we were 200 years ago to suddenly we're catching up or trying to catch up with the technology that we describe when we're talking about UFOs? Well, I think people like Tesla have been allowed to remember what they're seeing on ships or or just being given visions because they're amazing scientists and, and can build these things. David Adair talks about building his rockets from mm -hmm. his dreams at night with these ETs, okay? So he wakes up as a kid and he starts writing down all these formulas. Wow. And, and then by the time he's 15, he's building these amazing rockets that shouldn't even be in our time space, let alone on Earth, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and the government's freaking out because this kid, 15-year-old kid, is building things they haven't even thought of yet, okay? Right. So there are exceptional people every once in a while that are given the gift of understanding what the ETs have shown them and being able to translate it into what the materials we have here on Earth to make them function, okay? And I, honestly, this whole thing about tagging us, the ETs can tag us through our DNA. They don't even need to do it the way that right. it's been done. So... That leads me to the whole thing because they showed me. They said, we don't even need to do this. And I said, Wilson, why are you even bothering? And I've never said this on live air before, and I'm going to say it today for the first time. They said mm -hmm. it's because your military needs to have something to, that they can use. Hmm. Yeah, because they're keeping track of experiencers. That, that's what I've understood from what Melinda has said. That's absolutely true. You know, be, I and I didn't understand how involved that sentence was at the time because I never questioned. I was a lot younger when that happened, when I had that supposed dream. Mm -hmm. Now I think I was probably on the ship because I was in the lab. They're telling me all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I, I've even been to the Akashic Records Hall with a, a dead friend that probably mm -hmm. was an ET. I mean, I've been, the stories I could tell, I will someday in my book, but bottom line is, I should have questioned that, but I haven't, I didn't start questioning it until just three years ago. I really thought to myself, well, God, yeah. I mean, they, they are so far advanced. All they have to do is tweak our DNA and that's all they need. And they know where every one of us is on the planet. Every one of us. They probably don't even need to do that because some people who have done remote viewing say that they've seen these entities remote viewing us. Um, oh, and yeah. So oh, they don't, yeah. they don't really so yeah it's complicated whatever's going on is complicated so thank you lorian for coming to talk to me about some of these complicated things um i wanted to start wrapping up because i know you have you're always working lorian works so hard everybody she really does um i know you have to go to work so i wanted to give you a chance to tell people um a little bit about what your next projects are going to be and where they could find you Oh, yes. Well, you can find me at my name, laurienfenton.com, and that's spelled L-O-R-I-E-N, and then it's F-E-N-T-O-N. 
So you can just find me over there. Now the website's kind of a mess because I am a webmaster. So that means my website was never going to get caught up, but <laughs> everybody else's will. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can just, you know, find my radio show there. And I, I'm hoping in the next month or so to start getting all of my past shows posted up there. So you guys can listen to them and, and you'll be able to listen to Deb's uh, show. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was a great interview. And all my other shows uh, that are up on the Fenton Perspective. I've got 11 years of archives. I think I'm only going to put up the past year, though. Mm. So that'll be good for you. If you really want to dig into the way past, or what I call the Wayback Machine, you can go to Revolution Radio, which is at freedomslips.com. It's on my website. And you can check into the archives. They're always free there now. And you can go back, I think, two or three years there. So that's fun. And then the other thing I'm up to is I'm going to be putting on UFO Con 2023 in South San Francisco at the Double Tree by Hilton, right next to the airport, SFO. And that'll be March 17th, 18th, and 19th. And we're going to have some amazing speakers. I've got a lot of contactees uh, speaking, some news, uh, many, many new people. Um, a few older uh, speakers will. Uh, uh, contactees will be speakers this year. One of them is Deborah um, Cobble. Um, she's uh, from a famous sighting, which right now I can't remember the name of. And um, there's just going to be a lot. Of, what was that a, here? She had a different name at the time. She did. <laughs> and I, uh, Deborah White, wasn't it White? I think uh, it was White. I don't remember, but I, um, yeah, go ahead. So well, anyhow, she's a Bud Hopkins uh, major player for the Bud Hopkins book, uh, the first book he put out. So anyhow, she'll be speaking. So I've got a few of the older contactees. I've got a lot of a bunch of newer people. I'm trying to bring in a few scientists. We have a group out of Seattle, Washington that are going to be talking about their um, UFO sighting experiences that they're filming and the research they're doing. They're, they're amazing. I've got some Bigfoot people coming from the Sac uh, Stockton or Sacramento Valley. I'm not sure where they've seen Bigfoot, but they have some amazing stories and uh, just a lot of fun to be had. Um, people love the hotel. I'll tell you why. You get on, you go up to your room and you get on, you get on the elevator, come down, and the elevator door opens right across the hall from the conference room. Mm -hmm. So you're just like, you go up to your conference, you know, up to your room. You could take the 15 minute break between speakers. You can go to your room. You could run up and get some food. You could do, you know, whatever you want to do. And uh, it's just right there. And uh, we try to broadcast it. So if you want to take a nap in your room or just kind of lay down, you can watch the conference in your room and then come on down later and talk to everybody. You can do whatever you want. We just, we have a blast. And uh, I think there's more people out in the lobby chit-chatting all day long than there are people right. in the conference room, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. And since I am, you know, someone who's now gone to two conferences, I can tell you um, I'm not by any means an expert on this, but the sensation of being around people who you can talk to about this and that comfort is amazing. That's amazing. So. It is. There's no feeling like it. And that's why I try to go to all the major conferences every year. And, um, 
the support is fantastic. And you can ask anybody who's been to my conferences. They will all tell you that they just, they adore it. It's a smaller conference. We only have 300 seats. That's our maximum we can sit. So um, it's 300 people that all actually know each other by the end of the conference. And everybody has a blast. And I think Chris Bledsoe may be showing up this year with his son, Ryan. We just have some really interesting speakers. I mean, I'm not a big, I, I try to have some science and I try to have some people talk about UFOs. Um, and I think that's wonderful. But my real gig here, folks, is the, the contactees are the key. And they really need to have a bigger platform on most of the stages. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I try to do. And I really try to give absolutely new speakers who have never spoken before. I give them a shot. And the audience is always so loving and caring. And, and they feel welcomed by the end of speaking instead of like they're being, you know, uh, judged. And um, some of them are just not oriated or what is that word? Oriators or something like that. Anyhow, Orators. they're not. Yeah, they're not great speakers, but they do put together their first PowerPoint and they tell you their personal stories. And I think that is even more important than a slick PowerPoint and an amazing presentation, you know, because it really gets to the heart of the matter about what's happened to them. So, well, thank you so much for all that you do. I'm sure um, the people who have gone to those conferences and the people who listen to your show or have been on your show like myself just appreciate so much your wealth of knowledge and um you just you know you're you're i i consider you to be a friend and i think a lot of other people in the community probably feel the same way so you know this community needs more people like you Oh, thank you, Deb. I really appreciate that coming from the lady who has just got more information than anybody out there. And right. I just, I appreciate what you do too. We've got, you and I have a lot of projects in the works, don't we? I know. I know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe, so. maybe more will come to fruition and we can talk about it in another dojo one day. Exciting. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe we can get Melinda on here too at some point. And, right. Uh, I would love to talk uh, to her too. So well, you got to get her on the show. Do it, yeah. do it. I'll get your phone number. Okay, sounds good. So for everyone who is listening, thank you so much for listening. This was Deb from Deb Sada Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. If you need me, you can find me at Study of UAPs on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and so on. Or you can see me on Calling All Beings on YouTube. Everyone, please take care and thank you again for listening.